Great. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for our time together and thank you for all of our fellow believers uh, in your, your son. Uh, we thank you for our local body and we thank you for the, the universal church and uh, assembly of your redeemed people. And uh, we pray that our speech, uh, our thoughts, our, our discussion, all that we do would be honoring to you and I pray that by your spirit that you'd teach us your word and uh, build us up in the ones for all delivered faith to the saints uh, that we would be uh, equipped so that we could uh, make disciples uh, of others and we could uh, proclaim uh, and teach your word uh, to those who uh, who haven't hear it uh, to the lost and uh, that we might all be built up as one body and with one mind and purpose, uh, striving together uh, for uh, the good news of your son. And so we thank you for these things and pray in his name. Amen. Let's go to Exodus chapter 18. That's what we covered last week. And we'll be working toward uh, Numbers chapter uh, 10, and especially uh, 11, and we'll look, uh, see how far we get, in Lord willing, uh, into 12 next week, and maybe touch on a couple couple places in Numbers and connect it with some uh, portions of Deuteronomy uh, where we'll see the, the offices on the, the life uh, of, of Moses as God's uh, anointed representative, prophet, judge, priest, and even in a sense, king. Uh, he was, in his own day, he, he was a, a prince of the people, even though it looked uh, to the days to come, and uh, especially to uh, the, the kingship uh, with the, the tribe of Judah. Uh, and we're looking at this text in Exodus 18, uh, where we saw a Jethro, a priest of uh, Midian, uh, bringing uh, Moses' uh, wife, Zipporah, and uh, their, their two sons, uh, he says uh, her two sons and uh, Moses' sons, uh, bringing them back, uh, really drawing a bookend with uh, the beginning of his commissioning, uh, his, his sojourn in, in Midian with Jethro and marrying uh, Zipporah, uh, receiving her as a wife and uh, the hospitality that Jethro showed him to, to feed him. Uh, he's really the, the anti-Laban. Uh, Laban, who... Uh, was Rebecca's brother who took Jacob under his wing, sort of, uh, and basically took advantage of Jacob for uh, 20 years, <laughs> you know, series of uh, sevens uh, for his daughter, uh, Rebecca. No, Leah. You know, he gave, gave Leah instead. And so got him for another seven years because uh, he knew he wanted to marry Rebecca. Uh, and then uh, the, the last remaining years, you know, attending his flocks, and he tried to swap them out and, uh, give him a false deal. And you get to the end of that whole section uh, where he catches up with him at uh, Penuel, uh, just east of the, the Jordan, you know, to enter back into the, uh, the, the land promised to his fathers. Uh, and he says, uh, the, uh, the, the daughters are mine. Uh, the sons are mine. You know, their sons are mine. Uh, the livestock's mine. It's all mine. But Jethro, you know, he comes with 
uh, with Zipporah, uh, with uh, you know his his daughter uh, Moses' wife. They gave to him uh, his sons. Uh, he provided them with bread. He he wishes him shalom, peace, go in peace to your people, uh, and brings them uh, back to him. So he's kind of the the anti Laban. And throughout this section, you see Jethro come to faith in Yahweh, a priest of Midian. You know, he goes back to his people, but he now sacrifices to the one true living God and, re- and acknowledges Yahweh as above all gods, you know, as above all the, uh, the, the spirits that the people worship and evil spirits. Uh, he's above all. He's the one true living creator God. And he now sacrifices and worships him and has fellowship with the people of Israel. And so here with, we talk about expectations of the promises and covenants. Sometimes we can just look to the New Testament where we're just like, no, nah, it just must have only anything whatsoever to do with, with Jesus. You know? But you have partial fulfillment. You, you have foretastes. You know, you have people come to faith in the Old Testament. And even at that time, as uh, we've been seeing, and we'll, we'll see a whole lot more as we go through Genesis, uh, Jesus, uh, as the eternal son, is Yahweh. He's the, the angel, the, the messenger, the envoy of Yahweh. He's the commander of all his hosts and armies. You know, he is, he's the spokesman. The ultimate heavenly prophet, you know, he's he's the heavenly priest and king and judge uh, throughout bringing judgment. And so he's everywhere throughout the Torah. And it's ultimately looking uh, to the the judgeship, the priesthood, the kingship uh, and really prophethood of of Yahweh uh, to save, to redeem, to shepherd uh, his his people. And so, you know, you you have that right here in in the New Testament authors. They made connections to the, these things, where even Paul in 1 Corinthians, uh, it's maybe around chapter 10, uh, around, around there, a uh, section d- dealing with, um, I think with idolatry, food sacrifice to idols. Uh, but he speaks about that uh, we, have, uh, we have one God, the Father. Uh, and uh, all things uh, were, were created uh, by him or, and for him. And we have one Lord, you know, Jesus Christ, the Son. And all things were created uh, through him, you know, and, and uh, for him. You know, we, we exist, uh, we exist uh, through, uh, through him. And that goes to the, the Shema, uh, Shema Yisrael Yahweh Eloheinu, Yahweh Echad. Uh, Yahweh, our God, Yahweh is one. Yahweh, Lord, in Greek, he says of, of Jesus, the Son, we have one Lord. Going back to, the, in, in Hebrew, the, the very personal name of God. Elohim is a little more, a little more g- generic. You know, and some of its uses has do with him as the one true living creator God. But sometimes it can be used more broadly and speak about Elohim generally, even including spirit beings that, uh, that the nations are put under, you know, even evil, evil spirits or, or sometimes 
false idols or gods that people make up in, in their own uh, imaginations and, and such. Uh, but uh, Lord in the Shema, and going back to uh, Yahweh uh, in, in Hebrew, uh, that's the very personal name for God, and he uses it of, of Jesus, and it's the Shema. And here we have, we have one God, one Lord. And so the Father is God, the Son is the Lord, but there's only, there's only one God. And so uh, the, the Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God, and they are the one true living God. Uh, one what? Three who's. Uh, one, one substance or essence, uh, which has to do with what makes God God. Uh, that uh, he's, uh, he's living you know he he exists uh, in he's he's eternal he's omniscient he's omnipotent you know all knowing all powerful and that's that's true of the son that's true of the spirit that's true of the father and so they are the one true living God uh, and yet they are three distinct uh, persons who share fully the the one being of of God for all eternity yeah. So when Jesus uses the phrase, Lord said to my Lord, mm-hmm. and then again there's another phrase in that word that Joshua, where he's talking to the high priest, he says, the Lord said, the Lord rebuke you. Mm-hmm. Do you remember, are those, you remember what Lord said to Lord? Is it the exact same Lord said to Lord phrase? Well, the, the phrase, the, there are two phrases, and this actually gets to a question that you asked about Shaddai, uh, where sometimes you have Adonai, and sometimes you have Adoni. Now, in Hebrew, in the consonantal text, uh, the, there's primarily consonants, but they have a couple letters that can help signify different like vowels, like a, a Yod, kind of like a, a Y, or a, an Aleph, kind of like a A. a uh, in Hebrew, also in Greek, uh, you, you open and say A. That's how they generally pronounce, you know, what we'd say with like an, an A, but, uh, or an Ayin, uh, which is kind of similar. But primarily it was consonants. And so with all, all, all these little vowel points that the, the rabbis, uh, the, the Masoretes, uh, added to help, help people read, as maybe they, they weren't as skilled at reading Hebrew without uh, vowel points uh, over, over time as Hebrew declined more and more, especially once you get out of 1st, 2nd, 3rd century, it, it, it starts to decline, especially after the temple is destroyed and, and such. Uh, in the, the next centuries, uh, there's a, a decline in uh, Hebrew. Uh, and so the very consonants, there's no difference whatsoever. And so they both look like Adoni. Uh, and so there, there's no difference in the text. The, the difference in the vowel points, that's something that the, the rabbis, Masoretes, used to distinguish. Uh, and in s- some cases, you know, I want to look more. Sometimes I, I don't know that there really is uh, a distinction. Um, maybe they, they would have pronounced it differently, but it would be totally, it would have to be context and they, they seem to be taking it where maybe they're just making it kind of agree with 
you have like Eloa, or sometimes you have El, Eloa, or Elohim. And it's plural, but used of God, you know, it pretty much like always, it always uses uh, generally like singular verbs, you know, along the way. That makes and they'll even use singular like pronouns uh, for, for God. But the form, you know, the form itself is it's a, a, he, or a plural form uh, generally. And so in some contexts, it can talk about, you know, maybe the, the gods of the nations or Aaron says, uh, behold Israel, your Elohim. And you have these two, two cows. Uh, in some places where they use it, they'll use like a, a plural pronoun or verb. In uh, some of these words do have, as I recall, distinct plural forms. And so when they use, you know, like if it be pronounced like Shadi or Adoni, uh, that's at least, there's no difference in the, the underlying Hebrew consonantal oldest text that like the, the biblical authors wrote in or maybe for some of the oldest books uh, in portions of like the, the Torah and such uh, where they have some later copies either mimicking or drawn from uh, an older uh, what they call like a proto-Hebrew uh, script and so it's like the earliest <coughs> Hebrew but they later used uh script, a writing system, uh, letters uh, that they drew from like uh, Aramaic. So they used those letters uh, and so some were uh, almost certainly originally written in like an earlier uh, proto-Hebrew you know, the earliest Hebrew alphabet uh, characters but then were changed into uh, to uh, Aramaic characters or that they, they used and they shared that uh, that letter system with others but that text you know it doesn't give anything to distinguish with other words you have like you know Eloah El Elohim you know uh, differences so um, I want to look at some of them whether how much justification there is for even pronouncing it like a, a different different way some of it though you know it's 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 tradition there's there's no difference in the text itself, so. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense because when Jesus said the Lord said to my Lord, and that was the one that stumped the Jews, I think, and they didn't ask questions mm-hmm. after that. Yeah. But if they had had a difference, they, the Jews would have jumped right on that. They yeah. Yeah. Say, hey, you're not God. But exactly. They were stumped. Which they'll they'll try and do today. If you come across like a Unitarian, mm-hmm. people where it's a form of monotheism, but Unitarianism is more specific. Uh, God is a single unity through and through. Uh, one being, one person. One what, one who. And so it's, it's a direct denial and rejection of uh, Trinitarianism. That there's one God, you know, that's monotheistic, one true living creator God, uh, but that he uh, has eternally existed as three distinct persons, uh, within the one being of, of God. Uh, and so uh, Unitarians, uh, maybe some Jews today, I think I, 
heard some, well, they at least had certain Jewish inclinations, maybe even a Jewish person, uh, but uh, debating, I think, alongside like a Unitarian uh, with, uh, with uh, some things against uh, uh, the, the Trinity. I remember uh, James uh, White and uh, Michael Brown, uh, they, they're debating uh, together on a team once. They're usually uh, opposed uh, to one another. Uh, but, and so yeah, the, the actual text in Psalm 110, no difference uh, in, in the text whatsoever. And so you just tell by the, the context uh, which Lord is, is which. You know, and, uh, and he's kind of arguing, drawing from if David said, the Lord said to my Lord, you know, who's, who's he talking about? And, you know, and if he's talking about the Lord in that sense, and David, you know, at the time, he's king. Well, you know, one, he's talking about, has to be God, you know, uh, that the he's talking about. And so, yeah, if they try and use that, the, uh, the distinction between Adonai, Adoni isn't in the text. You know, they're, they're both just spelled Adoni. Yeah. And, and so you have to look at, look at the, the context. Uh, and so then, because then they'll use that and say, well, Adoni must just be a human, you know, can't, uh, in any case, you know, wherever, wherever they use it. Um, and so if, if anywhere others talk of, you know, God's, the, the ultimate Davidic king, you know, who's to come, the, the ultimate anointed. Uh, well, look, it says Adoni. It's like, well, no, that's the vowel points you're, you're drawing from. The, there's, no, there's no distinction in the, uh, the actual underlying Hebrew consonantal text that the biblical authors uh, wrote. So, yeah, that, that's a really, really good question. I remember uh, James White, he, he has some good stuff on that because he's to be like Unitarians and, and such. And oneness, Pentecostals, and uh, he's really become an expert most recently on, on Islam. And a lot of times they'll draw from not only like secular radical skeptics, like uh, they're just utterly imbalanced, like Bart Ehrman. Uh, but they'll draw from uh, Jewish, traditional like Jewish arguments against the, the Trinity a lot of times. So. And so here Jethro comes to faith, and then the next day he sees Moses out judging the people. Now sitting, you know, not, not standing with the staff up, where he then had to sit down, he couldn't stand as they fought the Amalekites, but now sitting to judge uh, the people. And he saw that he was judging them alone, by himself. And so of the men, over 600,000 men, not counting women and children, <laughs> they're standing there. They're standing f- from sunrise to sunset. Moses is sitting the whole time. And here's a bickering, grumbling, complaining people. You know, despite all the problems that they'd have disputes anyway, he can't handle all this. And so Moses, he's, well, he is God's prophet after all. You know, he is God's judge and mediator. Why shouldn't he be judging the people? (laughs) And so Jethro, when he says, it's not good what you're doing, it's not 
that exactly that Moses is judge. In fact, he says, you, you be judge. You know, you, you hear the people, uh, you, you go to God, you teach the people. And so that's not the issue. But here, yeah, Moses, God's exalted prophet, you know, even before whom Pharaoh and the Egyptians bowed before and before the people and gave them the uh, gave them tribute and such to go away from us, please go away, you know, leave us. And so, you know, even great and mighty Pharaoh bowing before Moses, he's just a man, you know, he, he's, he's a man, he, he's a sinner. He can't do, do all this on his own, you know. And so Jethro gives godly advice uh, that part of the problem for this people, they need wise and godly judges, uh, those who fear God, uh, those who, who will not take a bribe, uh, those who are trustworthy and honest. And with the prophets, with the judges, the priests and king, they all had a, had a role where they were all to be students of God's word. They were to be taught by God, but they were to teach. Uh, they were to teach the people, whether they were judges of tens, of fifties, of hundreds, thousands, uh, or, you know, Moses, his, his role. They were to be students of God's word, and they were to be teachers. Uh, and really, all Israelites, and even in the church, we're all to be made disciples of, of Christ. You know, not, not of one another, not of men, not of pastors or, or elders, but of uh, Christ, our head. But we're also to make disciples. You know, we're, we're to teach in whatever capacity or role God has given us, whether it's, whether it's you know, uh, if God gives us children, you know, to teach our, our children, to uh, exhort and encourage one, one another, you know, te- teaching elders uh, to, uh, Paul tells Timothy, you know, teach these things, I think even to Titus, to, to other men who can then do likewise. Uh, and so the judges were to, they're to teach and instruct. All, all these offices and, you know, the shepherds of Israel were to, uh, were to do these things. And so here you begin to see the, the appointment of, of judges, Jethro giving wise advice on that they're to do it with God's blessing by his commandment, you know, his instruction uh, into, uh, to teach. And so here you see that Moses, he can't do all these things, and yet he is. He is God's human judge. You know, he's, he's, not, he's not Yahweh. He's not the envoy of Yahweh, you know, who's uh, judge, above, judge and prophet and spokesman above him. Uh, but he, he was God's human representative appointed judge, very much like Adam, you know, in, in the garden without the offices that man was, was to fill. And, but they need, they need other judges in Israel so that this will be a holy nation, a kingdom of priests, you know, in, in the midst of all the, all the nations, that the nations would also be taught and know of God. Uh, so this is a very critical point uh, in dealing uh, with uh, Israel's history, with appointing judges with this is part of the solution for the people's grumbling and complaining you know they need to be taught of God they need wise judges who fear uh, fear God and not just Moses he's just a man and so we keep seeing how how exalted God has made Moses 
you know, as his human rep- representative, you, you shall be as, as Elohim to Aaron. You shall be Elohim to Pharaoh. You know, you'll be God to Pharaoh. Uh, God's above Moses. He made Moses above Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the king of Egypt. So, um, you, you shall be, uh, Jethro says, uh, be, uh, be before God for the people. So repre- representing God, you know, before him as his, uh, his, re- his ultimate human uh, representative at this, uh, this time and place in salvation history. And uh, they, they appoint others. They need to be taught and we'll be seeing they also need God's spirit. You know, uh, it's not just, it's not just the, the judges, but they need to be the, ju- the judges, the people, the elders, uh, need to be filled by uh, the Spirit of God uh, to teach uh, and instruct and empower them uh, to, to serve God. And that's even part of, we won't look at it, but with the golden calf as he's laying out after the, uh, in Exodus 19, they arrive at Sinai. So you have a major new section. Uh, and then a God manifests himself on the mountain, gives the, the Ten Commandments. Uh, then from, that's in uh, Exodus 20, and then 21 uh, through 21, 22, 23, 21 through 23, you have the Book of the Covenant, which kind of expands on, uh, on the, the laws, like with the Ten Commandments and such. It expands on them, giving other examples, illustrations. And then 24, they ratify the covenant, and then it turns to, in 25 and on, uh, instructions for contributions for the tabernacle. And then after this big section, you know, they get to the Sabbath at the end of, end of this, and you, you have these uh, themes of the days of creation and Bezalel and the craftsmen and the priests like on day six, and then you get to the Sabbath, and God says to Moses, the, peop- the people have rebelled, you know, go down. He goes down the mountain, you know, and Joshua, they, they hear, it sounds like battle, you know, there's, there's warfare, and uh, no, it sounds like revelry. And, you know, they, they go down and find these things and break the covenant. Well, after this section, after, you know, 3,000 die with the giving of the law, and the Levites, who stay with God and have to kill their own brothers, kind of like Jesus says, that you think I came to bring peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but a sword to divide uh, son from father and mother from daughter and, uh, and you know, uh, uh, mother-in-law from daughter-in-law and uh, man's family, you know, shall be his enemies, uh, those of his own, own house. Now, he's not really saying kill him, but there are these incidents in Deuteronomy and uh, with the, the giving of the law and such, where they were even strike down you know, those who rebelled against God and brought in false gods and filled the land with immorality and violence and bloodshed uh, where they were to, they were to judge and, and execute. And so now, sort of metaphorically, Jesus came to bring division, you know, upon the earth. And when people come to faith in him, a lot of times it, it can bring division in tension within families and friendships and uh one's countrymen where now in the church now they're persecuted you know they're they're uh imprisoned or 
uh, mistreated or spoken illy against because of him or, or even killed. Uh, and so with the Levites striking them down, Moses' intercession, God's forgiveness, and you know going back up for the law again, it's only after the Spirit of God comes upon the people that now with generous hearts, like in 2 Corinthians, uh, now by a prior work of God's grace, uh, the people generously give not their gold and silver and you know earrings and stuff to build idols, uh, but to build God's tabernacle in the land, to dwell, uh, dwell in their, their midst. Right, and it reminds me, that verse that says, uh, apart from me you can do nothing. Yeah. It's, just, yeah, yeah. it's, all, it's all, all the way, you know, it's from the beginning of Scripture to the end. You know, from Genesis to Revelation, uh, you see that uh, th- throughout. Uh, it's just amazing, the, the continuity of Scripture. Have anything yeah, else? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's the, the giving of the Spirit, and that's what we'll be seeing with the, the elders, uh, the judges uh, in Numbers 11. Uh, God's going to take some of the Spirit that's upon you, put it upon, put it upon them, you know, the, the 70 elders uh, to, to judge. And so here with uh, the appointment of judges, we see that the Moses, for whatever reason, you know, maybe, well, I'm, I'm God's chosen prophet, you know, <laughs> over, over the people, whether negligence, whether he wasn't thinking or thinking too highly of himself intentionally or not. Uh, Jethro comes alongside and gives them a little, you know, godly, godly wisdom from this Midianite. <laughs> the people are grumbling and complaining, and here's one who praises God for what he's done for this people, you know, all the good he's done to them. And, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're grumbling about it. Um, and he, he gives advice to Moses. But then you see Moses' humility in which he receives Jethro's advice. In fact, uh, look at verse 22. And so talk, talking about the men and their, their role that he's to appoint. Uh, and let, or the judges over uh, tens, fifties, hundreds, thousands, or vice versa, uh, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. Uh, you will be able to endure and all this people also will go to their place in peace. As we said, literally, in the sense I use literally there, I don't, I don't use literal to talk about how we should interpret authorial intent. That's how we should in, interpret. And so uh, if someone's using a natural language use, you know, kind of literal use, uh, natural language use, that's how we should take it. You know, if they're using a figure of speech or a metaphor, which is an extension of a natural use. Uh, so uh, if you talk about, for instance, well, uh, there's a, a lion uh, that God sent on uh, the day of uh, Elijah uh, to uh, attack and kill a prophet who listened to a false prophet. He was a true prophet of God, but he listened to a false prophet Instead of the word that God gave him, 
Oh, turn aside, you know, eat, stay. Yeah, Yahweh said so, you know. Oh, okay. No, God told him directly, specifically, to go, <laughs> go, go straight and don't, don't stop at the highways or byways, you know. And so as a false, false prophet, and so uh, a lion killed the man when he left, you know, and, and destroyed him. So a lion, natural language use. Uh, lying, uh, literally, you know. Uh, but if you say, you know, the the lion of Judah, or you'll talk about you'll talk about uh, Judah as king because the the kingship belongs to Judah. Sometimes they'll talk about uh, Israel. Israel is a lion. God is a lion. You know, destroying their enemies and gnawing on their bones and s- such. You have an extension of an idea of a lion, natural language use, and it extends to a lion in a context of God or Israel or their king defeating their enemies. You know, and so there, there's certain correspondence uh, between a natural lion and then extending uh, to another idea, like in the context of warfare, in battle. Lions, they're fierce. You know, they, they destroy, they tear, they mend. Uh, and so, you know, that's, that's a, a metaphor, you know. And so the issue is always, what's the author's intent? You know, there, there's nothing particularly, I know what people mean. You know, I, I used to use it that way. You know, if John MacArthur or someone says uh, a literal hermeneutic, I know what they mean, but they're not talking about contrast, literal, and figurative. They're trying to say that, we don't spiritualize what's not there, you know. Uh, and so I'd say authorial intent, and what's the most accessible uh, interpretation uh, that's, that's warranted by the text, the information the author provides, you know, the, the text, uh, together with the author assumed, taken for granted, context. Uh, the, the relevant context, the relevant text that he provides to, to, a, to his audience. And that's the author's intent, is, as it would be obvious to, to him and to his original, uh, original, original audience. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the, one, the two things, though. First thing was uh, the false prophet. Didn't God tell the false prophet that now that you have... Who, who was it that God said, now you'll be eaten by a lion? Wasn't it that the false prophet that God told him that now he'll be eaten by a lion? Yep, I, I think he then spoke to the, the I think he spoke to the, the, the false prophet then uh, and told, told him. But what he said before, you know, he, he didn't tell him. He didn't tell the false prophet. Cause I thought as, far as, the, as far as the false prophet telling him, you know, uh, thus says Yahweh, you know, stop and, and rest and, you know, eat and drink. You know, God never, uh, never spoke to him. And so he, he, he may have then told uh, that same prophet about uh, the, the judgment that, that was coming, coming upon him. But I'd, I'd want to double check. Well, there, and there's another similar case like that. When David is told by a prophet to count the Israelites, then Joash says don't. But it was a bad thing to do to count the Israelites. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the prophet was told by God? I'd have to look at that one again. 
I know there is a case too where it talks about that there is a, a Satan, which means adversary, oh. and there's discussion about oh. is this oh. is this you know the supernatural evil spirit being the adversary, or was there there a human influence, uh, and so uh, but you know it could be could be supernatural. You know you have to you have to look at the the context. But either way, I mean it's like even when false prophets would speak, they'd have lying evil spirits in them uh, that they're, they're behind them. So you have, you know, you have the invisible, heavenly spirit beings, the evil spirits right. behind, you know, and in influence and cahoots with uh, the visible, earthly, human, you know, false, false prophets. Uh, and, and the last thing I was going to say is going back to... Um, uh, Jesus says, I think it says I think it says adversary. I, I don't I don't remember a prophet, but it's been a while since since I've read that. So maybe. Yeah. So and I was going to say when Jesus said, you know, apart from me you can do nothing. Mm-hmm. I would like to acknowledge, you know, as as I have any good in me, it is from God. I mean, it's yeah, it's yeah. still apart from Him. It's like I find myself, I can do nothing. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, when it comes to when it comes to justification, sanctification, glorification, uh, that, I mean, ultimately, it's, it's all of God. And so when it encourages us and tells us, you know, to strive together for the gospel, when it says, like, pursue holiness and things like that, it's always on the basis recognizing I'm dependent on God. I'm dependent upon his spirit, new life in, uh, in, in Christ. And so... Uh, it's not thinking that we're self-sufficient, but you know we we pray to God, we we read uh, we read His Word, uh, we read and understand and hear these truths, and then it gives us reason to strive. You know, it gives us motiv- motivation, knowing that God is at work, the Spirit is at work. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, but and so back here, uh, as I was saying, uh, if you do this. God will direct you. You will be able to endure. I was going to say literally. Usually when I use that, I'm talking about kind of a wooden translation. You know, some, something kind, kind of wooden where sometimes you have idioms like in Hebrew and such. Sometimes it can be a little misleading where if you give a wooden, quote-unquote, literal translation, people will hear it differently in English than they'd hear it, you know, in Hebrew. <laughs> And so if it's super idiomatic, sometimes that doesn't work. Uh, but here, you will be able to stand. And yeah, with the people, part of it, ESV is probably right. You know, they'll be able to endure, stand in, in that sense of it. Uh, dealing with, with judging, dealing with the problems, the grumbling, the, the complaints and, and judgments and such. Uh, the people to to rest and not stand around all all day like in in line, but quite literally Moses is sitting. He'll be able to stand. He'll <laughs> you know, be able to stand up <laughs> as he started. You know Yahweh was on the rock on Mount Horeb uh, when he uh, told him to strike the rock and he brought forth water. Then Moses goes up on the the hill and he's standing with the staff up, but pretty soon he has to sit sit down because he can't stand. You know he's 
He's eight, eight years old, and he's just a man. He, he can't stand all day with his hands up. I, I couldn't either, you know. Um, and so they give him a rock, and, and uh, Hur and Aaron, you know, they stand there and hold, hold the staff up. Um, and now he's sitting, judging, he'll be able to stand. So it's kind of, kind of a word play here. Um, and so, yeah, just using that opportunity uh, where usually when I say literal, I'm talking about kind of a wooden uh, translation or, or maybe a natural language use versus like a figurative mm-hmm. metaphorical extension. You know, uh, train, I see the train coming down the tracks and uh, the football team and uh, for, you know, our British friends, that's American football, <laughs> not, not soccer. Uh, uh, they they steamrolled the opposition. You know, uh, and that'd be an extension, you know, where we, we don't think a, a real steamroller or a train, you know, came came down upon them. So uh, authorial intent, that's, that's the heart of it. Uh, and you'll be able to stand, and all these people also will go to their place in peace, in shalom. And so he always wishes this people shalom and peace uh, for, uh, for Israel. Uh, now we see Moses' humility. You know, despite his flaws, his weaknesses, you know, whether thinking too highly of himself or just not thinking, uh, now, now we see his humility. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law, and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of Israel, all Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any uh, small case they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country. And so here, all, all judgments are to come from God. Uh, the judges, the people are to be taught by God, to fear God. Uh, and the hard cases go to Moses because he goes to God. And he can then teach on uh, new difficult cases uh, that uh, they can't handle themselves, whether they're over tens, you know, a few, few people, families and larger clans, 50s, 100s, thousands, you know, with the tribes, uh, ultimately to, uh, to, to Moses. I was also thinking, just as far as like application, where you even see these connections in the, the New Testament. I can't even think of uh, in the books of Acts of the Apostles, anywhere in the early church where they came across uh, a crisis, you know, the, the apostles, and they needed help. Uh, because it was taking them away from uh, the the primary task and duty of apostles for which Jesus appointed them, you know, in, in proclaiming the gospel. The you think? The widows. Yeah, yeah. And, and Bob, you know, he taught, taught that not not that long ago in Sunday school. And here you have a case where you have a crisis in the early church, and it's not that the what Bob got so right. It's not that the widows are unimportant. You know, it's not that the, the caring for them, you know, for maybe some of the Greek-speaking uh, Jews and, and believers uh, from the, the nations, it's not that the 
dealing with the widows was unimportant. It was extremely important. Uh, as Bob said, they needed godly, wise people who were filled and empowered by the very same spirit that the apostles were filled and taught by and equipped uh, in the ministry for which Christ had sent them and appointed them. And so it's not what they're doing is lesser. It's not just that, oh, this is beneath us. No, it, it was very important. Uh, and it could have ripped and torn apart the church. Uh, and so they needed to appoint other men because you just had 12 apostles. You know, they can't, they can't do everything. Uh, they're, they're men. Yeah, empowered by the Spirit of God to do what sinful men otherwise couldn't do. But they're, they're still just men. You know, they, Moses, he's not really God. You know, you, you'll be as God, you know, to Aaron and such. But he's, he's not really the one true living creator God. You know, uh, he's his representative. Uh, he's put in place, humanly speaking, to represent God uh, as uh, like a, a vice regent. You know, one who's subordinate and underneath him uh, to rule in his, uh, in his household. Uh, and so here, just with, whether with elders, teaching elders, or people in, in the church, that there are a lot of ministries uh, that, that people can, can take on. And here you're dealing, you know, with like judges uh, or with uh, the, the apostles and the caring for widows. You know, these are things that are commanded uh, and taught by God. You know, things that are important uh, to, to take care of. And so it's not just coming up with, uh, with other, other things that, uh, that aren't for the church to do, that aren't for, uh, for believers, uh, but, but real legitimate things. But, you know, whether in ministries or oftentimes, uh, speaking with uh, Eric, uh, Pastor Eric recently, about just even sort of the, the idea of pastor uh, largely, uh, in like evangelical churches. A lot of times, it, oh, it's that guy who's speaking up there. And it's like kind of pastor and CEO, you know, of the church. And so, but really it's all teaching elders, they're pastors. You know, they're shepherds of, of, of the people. You know, it's not one who's a pastor or a shepherd. They all are. You know, they, they all have that, that task. And it's Christ who's the ultimate shepherd. You know, uh, God, he's, he's the, the shepherd of his flock, of his people. He's the head of, of the church, you know, not, not the elders, not the, certainly not the pope, you know, not, not the cardinals, uh, the, the bishops, about Christ is the, the head, of, head of the church. But, yeah, Eric? What is a bishop? A bishop? Well, bishop basically came from, you have elder? And sometimes it's uh, another word is used is uh, kind of a metaphor of sorts, not totally, but overseer, mm-hmm. uh, episcopos, so uh, over overseer. You know, uh, one who looks and watches watches over uh, and re- responsibility, and that's used sometimes for for elders, just talking about a, a role that they have to oversee. Uh, the people of God, Christ's flock, you know, to, to watch over them, 
to care for them. Sometimes it talks about them as, uh, as shepherds, you know, shepherd the flock, Christ's, Christ's flock and care and tend and nurture, like and feed with the word and such. And so is really just another word that that be used for a different role for, for the elders. Yeah. But in tradition, and kind of going into Latin and such, uh, it eventually takes the form of what we find in English bishop. Uh, and with the exaltation where the elders uh, in the early church, even beginning with uh, Ignatius, who was a very early second, second century, Ignatius has some good things. It's very, very good things. I mean, amazing things about like justification by faith and salvation only by Christ. And, but he started within churches so emphasizing uh, the, uh, and he'd speak about uh, an, an elder uh, or overseer and kind of an elder that's chief among equals. Yeah. And so you have one who's trying to be exalted above, above the others mm. in authority. And so they were to listen, uh, and then the deacons, you know, were to, to listen to him and such. And over time, I uh, kept being exalted more and more, where you start to get overseers or uh, bishops over, not just within individual churches, but over uh, ecclesiastical church uh, regions. And so... You'd have like the the bishop in other important places like Antioch was one of the most critical places, especially after Jerusalem was destroyed, uh, where you know Christianity uh, didn't have as much of a hold in in Jerusalem uh, with uh, the destruction seventy A.D. seventy three with Masada, and then uh, the the Bar Kokhba uh, revolt in. Oh, what, what years was that? Uh, one, yeah, right, 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 right around, around there. Um, and so, is it 132, 135? Yeah, it's in, yeah. Um, and so a lot of the Jews were evicted and such. But Antioch, you know, that's one of the first places, well, first place it was said where they were called Christian. The word Christian only appears three times in the New Testament. Uh, and uh, it's used by, I think Peter Williams was uh, talking about that. And perhaps each of the three, at least two of the three, it's used in a sense that outsiders called them Christians. Yeah. You know, Christ followers. And Peter says, like, if you're persecuted uh, as a Christian, you're blessed. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it was first where they're called Christians. And so Paul, a lot of times we finish his missionary journey either go to Jerusalem, but he'd end up back at Antioch, you know, for a time before going, going out again. And so uh, Antioch was one. Uh, Jerusalem was built up a bit in later centuries again. Uh, but uh, Alexandria, Egypt, uh, was very prominent. Uh, also in, I think maybe Ephesus uh, was, was another one, uh, Western Turkey, uh, Asia, Asia Minor, uh, was a very important hub in, in church. Uh, and then also later, eventually, in Rome. And so there are these, these then bishops, elders over broader regions. Uh, and so it, it just kept building and building uh, where they even divided things in 
like in Rome, even using Roman political systems into like dioceses and districts uh, until it, it becomes exalted where you have one bishop who's eventually becomes the Pope, you know, Father, Holy Father, which is named for God the Father, called no man Father, uh, Jesus says. Um, takes names of the, the Trinity upon himself and a whole lot more. Uh, but, and so then you have like a arch kind of chief head bishops, uh, arch cardinals, cardinals, bishops, deacons, you know, go, going down over these different scales. And so it's long, long development. Nancy, yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Any application <laughs> to how this will be, where we're, we're ruling with Christ at some time? I don't know what we're doing, mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah, they'll be segmented out. Yeah, hold that thought one moment. Okay, I'll try. I think I've got it too. You know, I'll hold it. But uh, I was just going to say, as, as far as finishing with the, uh, you know, the application I was talking about, like pastor and CEO. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot, a lot of times people put expectations. On, well, that's the pastor. You know, Eric, he's the pastor, you know, because, you know, maybe he's, he's the talking head. He's, he's the mouthpiece, you know. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, not, that's not put down Eric, but it's just, you know, there's a visibility, you know, there when, when people teach. Uh, Paul talks about that kind of in Corinthians, you know. Well, if I'm not a mouth, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm a foot, so I'm not, you know, I'm not wor uh, worthwhile. You know, I'm not of the body. Um, but and so a lot of times people put expectations or, or we can put upon themselves where they'll take on more and more things whether, uh, whether it's for the pastor well he has to attend every graduation you know every wedding well Christ didn't now you're free to marry people but Christ never commanded go marry people he never commanded here's the pastor marry people or elders, married people. They can do that. You know, it's, it's within their Christian liberty, but he, he never commanded that. And so whether, whether it's graduations, birthdays, uh, weddings, or, or, you know, uh, teaching in, in all sorts of different venues or taking on this ministry, that ministry, this, you know, this responsibility, can't handle it all. You know, like the apostles, there were some where the body of Christ, it's a, body it has many parts and many gifts and there there are some things that we individually we're not the best to take on you know we're, we're not the most gifted at it and we we can't take on everything and we're to we're all to focus on loving and serving uh one one another and not you know we, we don't want to like burden you know one one another but we want to serve you know where uh where we uh, where we can and so I've just seen, like in, in the, the church or in our own lives, uh, that people can start uh, taking on so much, uh, as uh, some like Tim Challies and such said, whether out of pride, thinking too highly of themselves, uh, whether being kind of a, a yes man, you know, never being willing to say no to anyone, even if it takes away from, from the word or for, from what you're gifted uh, in serving others, or, it, you know, if it... Um, can become costly upon your family, you know, thing, things like that. And so here, Moses, he can't do it all. 
the apostles, they can't do it all. Sometimes you need someone like Jethro to come along and say, what you're doing is not good, you know. <laughs> you, you need help, you know. Someone needs to come alongside and, you know, delegate. God gifts people in the body to, uh, to care for the body. And, you know, initially, initially when we first become disciples, you know, maybe uh, we'll know where we're gifted. But over time, you know, we, we need to learn to, to serve uh, and love uh, one, one another. And so if you see this crisis with the man Moses, over the 600,000, over 600,000 men and the women and children. And there's never a prophet like Moses. And he's just a man, you know, he's a, he's a sinner. He can't, he can't do it all. You know, he needs God. He needs God's spirit. He needs the assembly, the people, you know, there's a chief judge, chief prophet uh, in the day. There were, there were chief kings and uh, priests, but there were also other priests and in the Levites and and there were many prophets, as we'll see next week, because we're running out of time. But there were many prophets in Israel, but not all, you know, not all of them were, were Moses. Um, and so I, I think that's important, you know, just for the, the church. Uh, sometimes we need Jethro to come along and say, what you're doing is not good. You know, don't, don't take everything on, whether you're a yes man or prideful um, thinking that you can do more than you really can and you start neglecting your family, the body, your gifts, uh, can't, can't do that. Uh, but then what you were saying, as far as judges, uh, Paul even says, uh, don't you know that you'll judge angels? Can you handle this little, this little thing in the church? And you... Oh. They're brothers and going before unbelievers. You can't even handle this in the in the church, you know. Where uh, I mean, you had the one man who has uh, his his uh, father's wife, you know, maybe stepmother or something like that. Uh, but then you had brothers who are suing one another, whether they're actual blood brothers or just in the church, you know, brothers in Christ. They're suing one another. In court, and he's like, you can't handle this, and you you're gonna judge angels, and you can't you can't handle this small thing, like in in the church with one another, and you're suing one another. What's wrong with you? And so, we'll judge angels. You know, with Christ, we reign and rule with Christ. Uh, we offer sacrifices of thanksgiving uh, to God. You know, we're we're a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Not not giving a not giving an atoning, meritorious, perfect uh, sacrifice, but sacrifices of thanksgiving and praise. You know, offering ourselves to God is, is, a, is a holy uh, offering to, to God. Uh, and so with Christ, just as he's a judge, uh, the ultimate, uh, as, as God and the God-man, he's the ultimate judge, priest, king, and prophet, uh, we too will judge with him. Uh, we we will be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. We will reign with him, you know, as as the uh, the, the the King Most High, you know, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, and as prophets, you can all prophesy one by one. He's not talking about new revelation. But he, he's talking about the proclamation. And Kelvin and Luther got this. He was talking about the proclamation of the word of God, the timely application of the word of God to the needs of the day, uh, to, to exhort, uh, to build up, to, to edify. Uh, you can all 
prophesy. And prophesy fundamentally means proclaiming, speaking forth. It, it doesn't all necessarily uh, have to do with new revelation, authoritative, infallible prophets, uh, and, uh, and uh, foretelling. You know, sometimes forthtelling. You know, pro- proclamation of of God's word. And in fact, even a lot of the signs and wonder prophets, or you know, even Isaiah and such, a lot of it was bringing God's law to bear on the people. You know, proclaiming what had been uh, had been revealed. And so, we're taught by God's Spirit and proclaim His word. Uh, and eventually, the nations will walk in their light. You know, and they'll be taught of God. They'll come to learn. Uh, and so as we teach and reign with Christ uh, and shepherd with him, you know, as his, his stewards. And that was, the, that was the role of the man in the garden and to be fulfilled, but much greater, you know, with, uh, with the, the God-man. So, yeah. The women won't be doing that, or what? Well, they won't. Well, even like, uh, think of, uh, think of, not Anas and Sapphira, you know, that, that was bad. Uh, but <laughs> think of, uh, you, you have uh, uh, Apollos, you know, come along. And, oh, uh, why did their names slip my mind? Priscilla and Aquila, thank you. Yeah, uh, they, they took him aside and they taught him more accurately. You know, uh, Priscilla taught and, and instructed uh, the, the word and, not as not in the capacity of a an appointed teaching elder in the church, you know, pro, uh, proclaiming uh, the the word. Most men are teaching elders, you know, uh, but uh, women uh, can learn God's word, uh, be taught God's word. Uh, they can speak and proclaim and correct. Cur- Correct, uh, in in such, but uh, teach, teaching elders, you know, that's a special uh, role in the church for for uh, a particular uh, particular people, and not all men either, you know, are, are qualified, or even if they're qualified, you know, they might not, or they might not be gifted for that, and they do other things too. Yeah. Oh, and we're. I know it's yeah. I was yep. going to say. Something really cool happened a couple a couple days ago. I was at my mom's at Pres, Presbyterian Homes mm-hmm. facility, and I noticed that they started yoga three oh. times a week there. And I went to the activities director because she said, "Bring your mom to the yoga class." Mm-hmm. And they gave her the un, yoga uncoiled DVD, mm-hmm. and she watched it. There pulling all the yoga. Is that right? They're pulling all the yoga and oh. she asked me to see if there was something that could be found to replace it. Oh wow. You and spoke with them, huh? Yeah. So it was, it was really cool where I was just stumbling in wow. my boots thinking, oh, they're gonna, I'm going to get so much rejection, yeah. so much flat. A lot of people just dismiss thing. it. Yeah. Oh, and here they're pulling it out. She said, I never knew anything like this and I saw this. We can't have yoga. Yeah. Praise oh, God. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, see, so you, you brought you know brought the word of God, and uh, you you see. I mean, if you read through the New Testament and the Old Testament and such, uh, there are many, 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 many things that uh, women can can do. And I mean, he brought down Sisera by uh, Jael, <laughs> who is a descendant of Jethro. Yeah. You know, and so. <laughs> so yeah. 
Yeah, God, God bless. Well, let's just uh, close with uh, prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you this evening and thank you for your word. And I pray that you'd teach us and uh, teach our, our body and fellow believers uh, and build us up in your word and apply these things to our heart uh, that uh, you'd make us uh, humble, faithful servants uh, by, by your grace by the power of your spirit and the salvation and all your blessings and promises there in your son. And we pray in his name. Amen.